Today, we're going to take a look at an article from MJ Business Daily about how Colorado rules require testing of vapor and not just oil. And that jumps off of an article from a judge dismissing vape claims in Washington State. And of course, how that's going to impact the industry. Uh, we're also going to talk briefly about how a judge is overruling New Mexico's medical marijuana reciprocity for out-of-state people to use their medical marijuana program, all kind of tying into regulations as we're leading up to the elections and how that's going to affect the market. Welcome back to The Talking Hedge. I'm Josh Kincaid, Capital Markets Analyst and host of your Cannabis Business Podcast. We've got Katrina Glogowski, angel investor and attorney, to help us unpack some legal issues. Katrina, thanks for being back on the podcast. Thanks, Josh. So there was an article that we talked about how a judge dismissed claims in the vaping illness lawsuit. Uh, there was a Washington State resident who um, tried to sue for uh, the the regulated marketplace, and I guess they found out that that was more of an illicit market, not necessarily anything to do with uh, the legal rollout or anything to do with the regulated vape. However, Colorado wants to take that a step farther. So uh, as we kind of see some of these lawsuits and the impacts and how they're kind of affecting the downstream uh, lawmaking process, interesting story about how Colorado regulators are adopting a new rule for testing cannabis vapor that could have an impact on ensuring consumer safety and vape products, but also add another cost to marijuana companies. That's exactly what I was thinking. Very well put all in one sentence. So do you have a chance to uh, take a look at this article? You got any immediate feedback before we kind of dive into it? I think generally testing is good. Uh, you and I talk frequently about credibility and trusted brands in order to bring in more consumers and drive your brand success and testing from beginning to end is the way to achieve that, Josh. So the article says that the question of what happens to cannabis oil when it's vaporized, it came to the forefront during that outbreak for the lung illness that began just this last year, um, you know, fourth quarter 2019, and was eventually linked to additives in products from the illicit market. Um, I think that was vitamin E acetate specifically, and when combusted, turned into kind of a carcinogen and caused popcorn lung and some other issues. So testing is important. And I definitely think that the hardware should also be tested because counterfeit products that come out of you know certain uh, areas are not always of high quality. And so if you use gasoline to clean your product, you definitely don't want to use that if you're going to be smoking something uh, or vaping. So Unintended consequences looks like heavy regulation, heavy um, burden on the industry. If you look at the automotive industry, uh, just 15, 20 years ago, you could buy a car, brand new car for you know, 12 grand. That's when Saturn was still around, no longer an auto manufacturer. But with new regulations, you kind of see that uh, it's really hard to find a manual shift. It's hard to find a car with roll down windows. <laughs> you know, all, all these regulations have led to higher prices. So now the average car prices is double that it's around 20 something thousand dollars so what's going to happen in the cannabis industry and vaping as a consequence of overregulation? yes it adds safety however at what cost so i think if you're in the industry um, ionic is a brand that had to switch to pre-rolls during this this uh, time last year so definitely looking at alternatives additional product SKUs. But regulatory risk it costs a lot of money to stay in business if they're going to add additional layers of, of uh, legal requirements and regulation for safety. 
I agree that it does add cost, Josh. But as an attorney, I must tell you, uh, as marijuana and cannabis become more generally accepted and the companies become more financially stable and financially successful, you end up with a target on your back. And that target on the back is consumers suing. We've seen McDonald's be sued for too hot coffee. We've seen Taco Bell be sued because there's not enough beef in their beef tacos. So this is another sign of the industry maturing. And when you start saying you're selling a product that you know is going to be combusted or vaped or rubbed on the skin or any type of thing like that, you're going to have the consumers start looking at you and saying, can I sue you? I mean, this is the United States where you can sue anybody for anything at any time. And with Colorado imposing these, these regulations ahead of time, while it is a cost to the manufacturer on a daily basis, it is also a protection in the long run. So you can say, I can definitively point to this lab test evidence that my product did not make you sick. Uh, and that might actually benefit and even be cheaper in the long run than a consumer lawsuit uh, like the guy in Washington who sued saying your vape unit made me sick. Mm -hmm. So the regulators, they require companies to test the emissions from vape products, essentially examining the aerosol that the consumers is inhaling that product from vape cannabis oil until now the oil has been analyzed in laboratories. So another Colorado rule requires manufacturers to label cannabis vape cartridges with an expiration date based on scientific understanding of consumer safety and quality. So the new regulations, they don't take effect until January 1st of 2022. So the industry has plenty of time to try to get into compliance. But it, that'll be the day if cannabis is tested like a McDonald's chicken nugget that has zero chicken in it. <laughs> At what point are you going to examine it and be like, well, there's not enough cannabis in there. There's too many, you know, artificial whatever. Um, so I definitely agree that, that uh, testing is the way to go. And I think in before we can get to the, the typical uh, cues that consumers look at, which is price and convenience, you have to start with peace of mind. Absolutely, absolutely. These, these things are a sign of the um, legalization that everybody wants. Uh, they're, not, they're not treating cannabis from a consumer's perspective any different than Coca-Cola. And don't you think Coca-Cola does quality assurance testing on all of their products as well? Uh, so to me, it is an expense. It is a pain in the patootie, absolutely. But it actually makes sense. And I would take it one step further, Josh, and I would somehow, some way, come up with a quality seal on your vape unit or on your, uh, you know, uh, whatever consumer packaging you're sending to, uh, to the retailer to indicate that it is actually original. Uh, when the vape gate problem came out in Washington, 
one of the things that was happening was Pax cartridges. Pax is one of the high-end, more expensive brands. There were individuals, nefarious individuals, rebuying Pax cartridges on Craigslist for $5 a piece and putting God knows what in them and then selling them on the black market as Pax cartridges when in fact they were not, uh, which is yet another example of a trusted brand, a premium brand being hoodwinked by nefarious actors trying to take advantage of the system, Josh. And there's also going to be some issues with, uh, you know, November's election. Uh, there's a lot of states on board for both regulation and for the medical market. And if, you know, Cushy Punch, for example, was one of those brands in California that was always an illicit brand, but it looked professional. They had the, the, they had the packaging, they had everything, the vape carts. And so it was really hard to distinguish them from a regulated market if somebody's selling it out of their trunk. <laughs> I guess that's, <laughs> that's step number one. Clue number one is don't buy it out of somebody's trunk. But in order for, you know, the new markets where there are uh, novice buyers, people who don't really know what's going on, uh, I think having something like the Uncle Ike's OK program uh, to say that something's been tested or at least um, you know, looked after is going to give one more step towards peace of mind. Um, and speaking of a regulated or a medical market, kind of switching gears here to New Mexico, there was a Washington state um, uh, individual that went down to Mexico to try and get medical marijuana, but I guess a judge had overruled that reciprocity. Can you kind of explain that? Because most people don't know that you can go uh, as an out-of-state individual and get medical marijuana down uh, in, in New Mexico. Well, Josh, uh, got to put my lawyer hat on here. Uh, every state is different. Uh, so if you have a medical marijuana card where you live, whatever state you live in that has a medical marijuana card, and then you travel somewhere else, the question posed was, can you use your out-of-state medical card while you are in that other state uh, on vacation or taking care of mom or wh whatever you were doing? And in this case, uh, the, the state of New Mexico said, your Washington medical marijuana card is not good enough. Uh, to get medical marijuana in New Mexico. And the judge in, in this case said, that's not true. A medical marijuana card is a medical marijuana card wherever you are and sided with the Washington state resident here who tried to buy medical marijuana in New Mexico. Uh, and so the ruling in and of itself isn't really uh, as important as the concept behind the ruling, Josh, where we're going to start to see a lot of interstate activity. And I'm not talking about carrying cannabis across state lines, which is a federal crime. I do not recommend you do so. I am talking about uh, all the states that have cannabis are going to have to come together with a common understanding of what this means. Um, because at the end of the day, Josh, you, you can't forget if you're going to charge an individual with a crime, let's say illicit uh, purchase of medical marijuana, that individual is going to be sitting in front of a jury of their peers. 
And can you imagine uh, a jury in New Mexico where medical marijuana is legal and you have a Washington state resident who has a medical marijuana card, which would make him compliant in New Mexico if he had a New Mexico card, are you gonna convict that guy? Uh, it just seems a little ridiculous. And I think that's sort of what this judge is picking up on where this is just taking it to an extreme. And back to my point of the states getting together and having a common ground, a common agreement as to what constitutes a violation, an adult recreational violation, a medical violation, a research violation, it doesn't matter, but there has to, there has to be some common ground here, uh, especially at the rate at which Americans travel. Uh, it's very easy to get in a car and drive, and there's a variety of reasons for it, recreation, family, job, but they're going to have to come up with something, and the lack of federal legislation or regulation addressing this just shows how, once again, the United States is so obscenely behind every other country, Josh. Yeah, this this judge um, didn't actually shut the door, which is kind of surprising. Um, so there is an opportunity. the The judge basically increased the requirements, uh, like proof of authorization from individuals in other states or tribal lands. So the press release from Ultra Health noted that some reciprocity recipients had been denied access to medical cannabis, and that the state, per the judge's order, would need to re-enroll those individuals. Um, so yeah, that's an interesting process, but still, cause I don't really know of any other place you can go as a medical patient. Sometimes they'll give you discounts, I guess. Um, if you go to a rec shop, if you, it'll give you a discount, if you have a medical card from out of state, but if it's a medical only state, it's, it's interesting that you can come and not be a resident and still buy. So I still like that as an opportunity. Hopefully the judge will figure that out and they'll be able to copy this uh, across states so that the entire U.S. is just one giant medical program uh, and you can kind of just come in and, and buy whatever you want if you have that card. Well, Nevada has something very similar. Uh, now, Nevada is, is much more reliant on tourism than New Mexico, which might account for the difference. But uh, if you have a medical card from any state, uh, you know, you're, you're good to go in Nevada, but also at the same time, Nevada's adult recreational. So if you have a bump with your medical card, you can still get your cannabis, but uh, we'll, we'll see what happens. But this is another problem as individual states come up with individual regulations, which are left up to an individual enforcement officer to figure out. It's a mess, Josh. It is. And I'll end it on a quote from the CEO of Ultra Health when he said that, thankfully, the courts recognize the merits of the legislative public policy that allows individuals participating in any other medical cannabis program to access cannabis care in a seamless manner while in New Mexico, similar to any other prescription medication. Boom. Yeah. All right. That I want to thank my guest, Katrina Golgowski, angel investor and attorney. Thanks for being back on the podcast. Thanks, Josh. With that, we're going to roll this one up. I'm Josh Kincaid. This is The Talking Hedge. Don't forget to like, share, and subscribe, or don't. And I'm out.
Don't forget to smash that like button on your way out and check out these other videos that we've got.